This is Docs in the Box podcast. A podcast about medicine, muscles, and more through the eyes of two physiatrists. I'm Dr. Amy West. And I'm Dr. Matthew Cowling. All right, Docs in the Box podcast, episode 28. Taylor Williamson, CrossFit athlete, PA, right? You yeah, want to introduce right Hey, give us a quick intro, then we'll get into it. All right, uh, yeah, CrossFit athlete for a million years now. Um, been going to the game since 2016 on a team. Uh, the last two years I've been a part of CrossFit Mayhem's team, uh, Mayhem Freedom. And also the last two years I've been in PA school. I just graduated actually um, last Friday. So I'm officially a PA. Congrats. I take my board exams um, in January. So hopefully I will pass that and I will be a PAC at that point. <laughs> nice. Congrats. Yeah. Pretty pumped. So how did you, how did you start CrossFit and how'd you get into that? Um, initially I started back in like 2012 um, and it was to uh, get in shape for college volleyball. I played D2 volleyball um, at a small school in Kansas city, William Jewell. Uh, so I was just like looking for a way to, you know, get healthy and get in shape and uh, just improve my athleticism, I guess, and kind of fell into it naturally just kind of really enjoyed the strength and strength and conditioning part. And um, took off with it from there. So it was just originally to get in shape for college sports. Yeah. And how did you end up getting into the competitive aspect of it? Did that come after you were done playing volleyball? Uh, I'd say like more during, um, I didn't really, I tried to kind of, you know, hold back and be more engaged in like the volleyball side of things. Cause that's, that's what I was doing at the time. But I think I just got so, I guess, into CrossFit and addicted to the competitive side of it so quickly um, that I took off with it as far as like local comps and uh, a couple like granite games. So a little bit bigger, bigger stages. And I just really liked it a lot from pretty much the start. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I, I guess, initially started. And then after college, um, I was contacted by some gym owners in Iowa um, to see if I wanted to come and be on their CrossFit Games team. And that was like a totally new experience for me and uh in the meantime I was getting clinical hours um as a scribe in orthopedics so I was still keeping in mind like maybe I wanted to go to PA school maybe I wanted to do something in medicine I wasn't quite sure um keeping a foot in the door there uh which ended up working out perfectly as far as applications for PA school because you need like a million things to get in and on top of having those million things you have to like do amazing in your interviews and it's like a huge process to get accepted into a school um, so I was able to get a bunch of hours there, like patient hours for, for school on top of training and going to the games with, um, that team out of Iowa. So it's kind of a cool experience, I guess, at the time. That's crazy. And how did you, how does you, how do you go from doing like local competitions to being on Rich Froning's team? Like where, how does that <laughs> happen? <laughs> how, how do you make um, that switch? It didn't happen overnight. That's for sure. Um, like a ton of hard work and I mean, it just sounds corny, but time and dedication and like it's just a ton of doing stuff that you're bad at and being okay with like getting your butt kicked every single day um so I I got into PA school here in in uh Tennessee and initially it was um okay I'm retiring from CrossFit you know I went to the games a couple times on these on this team in Iowa and it's been great and now it's time to to move on and be a full-time student and even during my interviews because I had written about you know my experience as a games athlete um, and some of my interview stuff, and it was on my resume in a couple different ways. So the, the PA school um, teachers were like, hey, you know, you're not going to be able to do this 
still and be a student. Like it's literally impossible. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I accept that. So I moved to, you know, Knoxville, um, which was an hour and a half from mayhem. And I was like, all right, you know, it's, it wasn't even like a thought that crossed my mind. Like I'm a student, I'm going to be a PA, like this is what I'm doing now. And then come like November or so, Rich reached out and he was like, hey, we're looking for another girl. Are you interested? And I was like, well, shoot. <laughs> I guess I might. It's hard be to say no to. I don't know. <laughs> so it just kind of spiraled from there and um, I was able to make it work. So, yeah. Do you feel like uh, being an athlete in college and then kind of, you know, you obviously having to do all in academics to get into PA school, do you feel like that prepared you to do CrossFit and PA school at the same time? Yeah, I think, I think it definitely did to a large extent. And just the fact that I've never really been like, like a full-time athlete in a way, in the way that a lot of the higher level games athletes are, I've always, I've always had a job, even if it's like a part-time job or a couple part-time jobs, like I've never been. I guess, satisfied with just being an athlete. Um, just because I, I personally like to like have that getaway. I like to be able to be fully engaged with what I'm doing in the gym and be able to step away and like focus on getting better at something else. Or like, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't, I'm just, I guess uh, I get bored easily. Um, so it's just nice to have different things to focus on so that you don't get too burnt out in one area, I guess. Um, so that's kind of, I think what prepared me the most to be able to handle the workload. It's just being able to like compartmentalize like that and shift gears, I guess, and be like fully engaged in whatever you're doing at the time without having to worry about the other things you have going on. Um, and it's definitely like a learned skill, you know? It's definitely something you have to practice and, and get good at and be very intentional with as far as like time management and um, just like being able to focus on where you are and what you're doing at that moment. I mean, one shout out to all the orthopedic scribes because I have one and I love her. So oh, yeah. it's awesome that you were Let's doing go. that. Um, but also, like, how, how do you how did you find the time? Because I <laughs> I mean, I I can barely, you know, keep up going to the gym on a regular basis. And I'm not like on the most competitive team in the world. So like, how do you <laughs> how <laughs> how does that happen? Uh, it was not sustainable. <laughs> um, and it's not a way I'd want to live my life. That's for sure. But I think that's part of what made it possible. It's just knowing like, okay, this is really going to be like really bad for like six months. Like it's, it's not your whole life. Um, so it kind of just goes to show you, like, you really can do anything for a short amount of time. Like it, it's going to be okay at the end of the, at the end of the, you know, end of the year or end of the season or whatever the case may be. Like if you, don't have time to wind down every night watching an episode or if you, you know, have to study instead of or relax or like whatever the sacrifices are that you're making. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really hard for sure. And shout out to my husband for like literally feeding me while I worked at night. Like it was, it was crazy, but yeah. Um, and it wasn't as bad during clinical year, right? Cause you're, you're, you're not having like three or four tests a week. I think didactic year, because PA school is usually for most programs, one year of like just classwork and then one year of, or year and a half of clinical rotations. Um, but didactic year is, you know, three or four tests a week. And like, you can't do bad on any of them, like ever. So it's, it's just high stakes um, on top of a lot of hours. Whereas clinical is just like, you're working whatever your preceptor works. So it's, it's a little less stressful, I think, for, for a lot of people. That was definitely a breath of fresh air for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I'm thinking back, and Amy, I'm sure you can too, to like 
when you're in medical school during those first two clinical years. And I, mm-hmm. I would like try and work out and I would basically have this like little bag full of like just disgusting food. It was like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I would <laughs> live in like a basement for like months. And it's just like a, such a crazy time to think back on. And like, it's amazing that you're able to maintain any level of like nutrition and fitness during that. I mean, just doing that in and of itself is a huge deal. Yeah. And there's definitely times that it was more challenging or you kind of had to let things go a little bit. And you kind of have to pick your battles too. Like you just said, like, okay, well, do I want to make sure I meal prep and like get really good nutrition this week? Or do I want to get an extra session in the gym on Sunday? Like it's, you have to pick what wins you want to have at times and be really intentional with like knowing what you're choosing and what you're not choosing instead of just um, like let, letting things go and just, you know, uh, leaving things up to chance. So it's, you know, but I think that tends to happen with a lot of people in a lot of different ways, not just, you know, trying to balance school and um, athletics. It's, you know, if you have kids or if you have a lot of obligations in life, I think you can kind of have that same sort of thought process um, with yourself. Did you always know that you wanted to go into medicine or be a PA or did it sort of just happen? Um, I don't think I always knew. I like, like everyone, I went into, you know, undergrad thinking I wanted to be a doctor. Um, so I was like the pre-med route for a while. Uh, but I don't think I always knew. I think with my experience as an orthopedic scribe, I, I really saw like what a PA was, what a mid-level was and what they did. Um, and I think the the surgeon that I worked for really kind of pushed me to, to apply for PA school more than anything. Cause I was like, man, that just seems really hard. Like they're really smart. I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't know. I was really uncertain, I guess, but I'm really happy that I ended up going that route because I think it's going to be a great profession. I'm really excited. Yeah. So Amy, I know you're already thinking about this, but um, Amy and I, and PM and our physicians work very closely with orthopedics and we're always mm-hmm. intertwined within orthopedic departments, usually at the hospitals. The fact that you were doing high-level CrossFit and involved um, in orthopedics, did you see any pushback um, towards CrossFit from like that community? Um, absolutely, yeah. But the the caveat I think for me in that specific instance was that my surgeon was a CrossFitter, so nice. Um, it was more like his own staff making fun of him at times, but he himself uh, obviously had no problem with CrossFit. Uh, done the right way. Right. I guess we can get into that, that train of thought, but I think that, um, yeah, he, it was a little bit different experience for me just cause he was a crossfitter himself and he was really involved actually with the team and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I think there's, there can be some issues there between the two trains of thought. Oh yes. I've certainly encountered yeah. that quite a bit. Uh, um, so do you, as far as like going forward, do you know, what like subspecialty you want to do do you know like what do you see yourself doing and does it involve crossfitting in any way yeah well first of all I think uh, I think it'll always involve crossfitting in some way right um I hope anyway for the rest of my life uh between just myself personally and just the way I think I can interact with patients and help people um so yes to that definitely uh I'm looking to start um as a PA hopefully full-time in September. Um, I don't know where yet though. I like ortho a lot. I like the ER a lot. Um, so those are kind of my top two, I guess, choices. Um, but that being said, as a PA, you can, you can move around, right? So you can, 
work in the ER for a couple of years and then go to ortho or, you know, whatever you want, really, Just as long as you have the proper training and have the right mentors. Um, as a PA, you have the freedom to, to go to different specialties. So that's, I guess, a blessing for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where life takes me, I guess. That's awesome. And you were just out at the, um, like the level one course, right? I was, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I was there in, uh, with the healthcare level one. How was it? We did the one a long time ago, like the original. Okay. One. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was, um, it was a weird, like, like culture clash, right? Because here's all these like medicine people, which you don't generally, they usually have no idea about crossing. They have no, no idea about movement. So it was really cool to see all those like-minded people, I guess. And it sounds corny to say, but it really is like a unique, a unique situation and unique mindset of people that, that go to that. So it's really cool. Yeah, I think that's was that. I mean, that's how Matt and I met, um, and we met a lot of really cool, interesting people through that course because mm-hmm. it's this like unique setting where everyone's everyone's just sort of gets it. It's, it's nice where everyone's sort of on the same page about stuff. Um, yeah. Did did you see like as far as um, so you, when we did it, it was it was just MDs, but now they've it's open to all kinds of healthcare providers. So uh, what other kinds of healthcare providers did you meet there? Yeah. So there's, um, mid-levels, there's PAs and nurse practitioners, um, there's physical therapists, um, chiropractors. Uh, and I think that might've been it. I'm not sure if, um, I'm not sure if anyone else was there, but those are the ones that I remember off the top. And of course, MDs, MDOs, those, those people were still there, but yeah, I think that it, they opened it up to, to include a lot more, which is awesome because I think, you know, you can gain so much from all those different spectrums of medicine. Um, so it's really exciting for them. I think the thing I like the most about it, I mean, obviously, like Amy was saying, um, we met there, but just like meeting different people and hearing them talk about what they're doing and different ideas that they have, it's a really good networking opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And just how to like take, I guess, the ideology behind, like, you know, functional medicine and, and CrossFit and movement and how you can apply that in your own clinics and your own work environments and it's it's really cool I think it's so funny you know the idea that that's a bit of a, a culture clash that people who are thinking about health and eating well and moving well and it's sort of like contra to everything that is medicine is kind of like an, a weird statement to make you know but yeah that that's true unfortunately um how do you how do you foresee or how would you like to um or, or how would you like to sort of use your cross background in, in your practice? Like, how do you foresee yourself doing that? Yeah, I'd love to have that answer. Right. I, um, I'm not sure yet. I mean, definitely. I think I can help people from a functional medicine side standpoint, instead of just like, you know, here's your weight loss pill or injection or like whatever. I think I can give a unique perspective as far as like what it might look like day to day or goal setting or, that kind of thing for, for lifestyle changes or whatever the case may be. But, um, and definitely if I, if I go into orthopedics, I think I can, I have a unique perspective there too, just because I've dealt with so many injuries myself. Like it kind of gives you a perspective for like how to handle, uh, you know, the athletic mindset, stuff like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how I can, I guess, best incorporate, um, my skill set and my experiences and my mindset and help people out. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. I just have to find the right, like environment to be able to do so. Right. 
but I'm super eager and super excited to find that because I think it'll be really fun. Yeah, it's definitely a trial and error process. I think when you first get out there trying to figure out what works best for you and your style. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's super interesting you bring up, you know, that you've had injuries because one thing, whenever I look at somebody who's like a really high level athlete, I always think like, how do they stay like relatively like injury free? And then the other side of that is having injuries also as a practitioner helps you a lot because when you see patients and you've been through something similar, not only understanding their pain, but also the limitations in their function is huge. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about some of your injuries and kind of how you like work through that? Oh yeah, sure. Um, first off, I feel like high level athletes are always a little bit injured to some degree, right? Everyone's always dealing with, with something, whether it's nagging or whether it's like, uh, something bigger. I mean, people are always dealing with something. No one's hundred percent healthy, especially when it comes down to like the season, like in the middle of the season, because you have to train so much. You have to, you have to kind of, you know, pick and choose your battles as far as like what aches and pains you're willing to, uh, exacerbate a little bit for the day or let recover a little bit for the day. Um, and I'm pretty sure everybody probably struggles with those sorts of issues, but, uh, like I, I dealt with a partial UCL tear in my elbow. Um, and that was probably a six or seven month rehab, like pretty much. Yeah. Shut down for probably three months and then like very slow physical therapy, very slow, like getting things back to to normal. And even still today, it bothers me a little bit, but only with like extreme stress, like pegboard or sometimes legless rope climbs, like things that apply like a lot of stress to that joint. Um, but just like having that experience and, and knowing what it's like to like be in timeout and then knowing what it's like to overdo it and not listen to your physical therapists that are advising you to literally do nothing. Um, <laughs> Just ha- you know, it, it gives you perspective, I guess, for what other people will go through when when you give them that advice and how to kind of approach how to help people better. Yeah, did you as a, a, when you were playing volleyball, did you have other injuries then that kind of either that CrossFit helped you kind of overcome or work through or you know things that sort of popped up later when you were doing your training? Um, I definitely had some shoulder issues in volleyball, I think just because it was a lot of stress on your shoulders. Right. Um, but I, I kind of feel like once I started CrossFit, that went away. I think it was just with, with well-rounded, you know, training and, and repetitions and, uh, getting the right sorts of movement patterns. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even remember when that went away, but my right shoulder doesn't bother me at all anymore. I used to all the time with volleyball though. Uh, and then, you know, ankle sprains, everyone goes through those, I guess, when you're playing jumping sports at some point or another, but that's yeah, gone away with, I guess, time probably more than anything, but definitely strength and conditioning too, that helps that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, you can bounce back from as much stuff using CrossFit as you can, you know, cause issues as well. It just depends, you know, how you go about it. That's so true. So that's a thing. Have we talked about this before, Amy? I don't know if we've talked about this before, but it's something that really is interesting about CrossFit. When I first started doing CrossFit, before that I was doing powerlifting, I played football and I just had all these like weird kind of like nagging elbow and shoulder things. And anytime I would start doing a little bit of exercise, it would kind of flare up and I didn't know what to do about it. And then once I just started learning to do like high volume pull-ups and stuff like that, 
my elbows and shoulders started to feel amazing. And like Mm -hmm. within the first year of CrossFit, I was like at a functional level, like way higher than I was the year before. And all my injuries started to go away. It was nuts. People never talk about that, but you're totally right in saying that you can get over just as many, right? You can. And I think a lot of it also is just like movement tolerance, right? So you just said, like, I started doing, you know, higher up stuff than I used to, and it started to get better. I think at some point your, your threshold just gets a little bit higher um, to the point where it's like, man, if I stop moving, I'm going to get injured. Right. Cause I'm going to lose this tolerance to this movement. And it's next time I go and like go for a jog, my Achilles are going to hurt because I haven't ran for so long. Like you, you, you heal yourself through movement. I mean, whether it's just blood flow or whatever the case may be, uh, it can help a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's also the, the range of movement as well. So, you know, if you're someone who's like playing volleyball and you're doing the same motions with the same shoulder over and over and over again, that's likely to just break down at a certain point. But then in CrossFit, because you're doing so many different types of things and strengthening all aspects of the shoulder and moving it in different ways, ultimately it is my theory that that, that is what prevents injury ultimately. So, you know, it actually prevents more injury than it causes is my kind of soapbox that I stand on, but it's, it's, it's moving your body in different ways, because if you just hammer your body in one way, like we see a lot of runners, for example, like they get all mm-hmm. these kind of, you know, chronic overuse injuries doing the same thing over and over and over again, miles and miles and miles. So um, kind of interesting. And it, you hear these anecdotes all the time about people having these injuries that kind of suddenly fade away or change or whatever. And we should start documenting them <laughs> and like publishing them so people will believe us. But um, it's interesting that you said that. Um, did you find yeah. that? And uh, so as a co- collegiate athlete, and I don't know how, how much like strength and conditioning they did with you, you know, and they, all teams have coaches and stuff that do that. But did, what did you find the difference between what they were doing with you then versus what you're doing in CrossFit? Yeah, uh, I remember in college, we definitely had strength and conditioning probably three or four days a week. Um, but it was, I don't know, and it might just be my own like, you know, bias, but it was just something that wasn't really taken very seriously. Um, and it also might just be that we were, you know, volleyball players and those those athletes don't tend to get, at least at the division two level. And it might have just been my school. They don't tend to get like super engaged in the weight room and the conditioning side of things versus like the football players or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but I, I feel like, uh, I do feel like I had a different foundation just because I did a lot of strength and conditioning in high school, uh, versus a lot of girls. I don't think get into it that early. Um, I was lifting, I mean, I was doing cleans and squats and, and bench and lifting heavy in high school as heavy as I could anyway, um, just because I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, so I think I had a unique back- background, um, compared to a lot of like female collegiate athletes that don't really see weights and don't really see the weight room until they're required by their college sport, unfortunately. Um, so I think I was a little bit different going into it versus a lot of people in high school. I was pretty much the only girl with like all the football players that was in there just lifting. There's me and like three other girls. So uh, a little bit different experience, I think. So how did you get started in that? But how'd you get started strength and conditioning? Like in high school, you just, you just started school. it or did someone, yeah. did someone like, did someone like, do you have like someone in your family who said, no, oh, you should do this. Or you just like wandered in there one day and liked it. I think I just wandered in there one day and liked it. I don't even recall like why I initially signed up for, it was a class at the time. Um, I don't know. I think, I think uh, probably like it was mentioned in my sports cause I played, you know, sports in high school. And I think eventually it, uh, 
it just grew into something I just enjoyed a lot. So I just did it. You know, I didn't care that I was the only girl in the pretty much. It was just something I liked a lot. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of you know, debate. You've seen this on like national levels where they like the big NCAA tournament, basketball tournaments, and the guys have this like crazy weight room and the girls have like a rack of weights. But at the yep. same time, they're saying, well, the, the girls don't really want to use it. So that's what we give them. And it's like this like place is like, well, it's it's part of it's the knowledge that it's there. Part of it's the, you know, the training that they're given. Part of it's, you know, not necessarily having like, you know, a foundation and understanding mm-hmm. why it's important. So, uh, and it's intimidation too, right? I mean, so it must be, you know, kind of, I guess, were you intimidated walking in there and a bunch of football players? You were just like, whatever. Yeah, I don't know why I was a weirdo, but I really was. Um, <laughs> I just really enjoyed it, I think. Um, and I remember there, I remember there was like a girl's class and a guy's class, but it wasn't labeled that. It was like beginner weightlifting and advanced weightlifting. Right. But all the guys went to advance and all the girls went to beginner. But I didn't want to be in the beginner class because everything was like easier and it was like shorter. And I wanted like the hardcore training. So I went to the advanced class. So it just ended up being like all the guys. But I didn't care, like I said, because I wanted to like get as much out of it as I could. And I liked it a lot. So it just ended up being what it was. Were you guys doing any CrossFit workouts at that time? No, nope, none. Just I think just basic like strength conditioning type powerlifting stuff. Yeah, that's what I, in my high school we did. I mean, that was a long time ago, but we were just doing all powerlifting, right? It was just like mm-hmm. bench squat, deadlift. And now you see kids coming out that are like killing the CrossFit workouts and they're like high school age. That just seems, it's so wild. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool, honestly. I wish it's just because the movement patterns, I think when you're younger and you, it's really easy to pick up uh, poor movement patterns. If you're just doing like bench squat deadlift and you might, for example, at my high school, the coach was, you know, he's awesome. He was great, but he, he was like the football coach and he just opened the weight room for the athletes to go in and work out. And we didn't really get any training, no technique, anything like that. If I were moving the way that I move now back then, I think, you know, overall, that's way better for the, the longevity of your athletic career. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, your movement patterns, it's easiest to learn new things when you're young. Right. I mean, and it just exactly. creates that foundation for, for everything else, especially when you're young and it's just, you're more pliable. Yeah. It's also, I, I think there's this, at least now it's, I think CrossFit's been somewhat of a, like an equalizer as far as like showing that, you know, women can be strong and, do do thing you know be working with weights and do it well and there's no like stigma to it there's no like fear of it I think there was so much at least when I was in high school there was a lot of like oh you don't want to do that that's for boys like that was kind of the the sentiment whereas now it's very much at least it's changing I don't know if it's changed completely but um you know certainly seeing that I I think CrossFit's been really important and sort of forcing that on the idea on people which has been nice yeah I agree just culturally, you've seen the shift. I mean, and I don't know if it's yeah. just CrossFit or if it's within culture as a whole or both, but yeah, it's definitely something that's more prominent now. What, um, so let's talk a little bit about your nutrition. And so what do, what do you usually, you know, where did you pick up the habits that you have now and kind of what do you do on a daily basis and how's that different from when you're competing? Yeah, um, definitely a little tighter, I guess, and a little more intentional during the season when, when you just can't, 
you have to make sure you're, you're eating the right sources of calories and that you're eating enough. Um, but you can't like be super tight, you know, super tight on it year round, I guess. So right now I'm kind of relaxing a little bit and enjoying, you know, going out to eat and less, I guess, intentionally eating, but, um, yeah, I still eat pretty well generally all the time. I think just, just as a, like trying to be healthy. Right. So I feel like, um, just the big shift during the season would be just higher carb, uh, protein stays the same pretty much year round, just not as much like weighing and measuring, I guess, which I'm not really big into that anyway. Um, but a lot of athletes are, a lot of athletes do weigh and measure during the season. Uh, that's not something I've done for probably three or four years now. Um, just because I think once you get that experience doing it for a couple of weeks or months or whatever you want to do, you kind of get a good eye for things. Um, but that is a tool that a lot of people end up using, I think during, during athletic seasons. And so you're like essentially macro counting and. Yeah, and just by eye though, I would say, um, you know, just the biggest thing I think would be for me, uh, making sure I get enough protein in and then during the season, it's pretty much eat as many carbs as you can from like good sources. Uh, but now it's just like a medium around amount of carbs, I would say. And then fat is just whatever to me, honestly, but not like over the top. So I'm not, I'm not, I guess, super, uh, super type a when it comes to my nutrition macro counting, but I like, I think, I think I, I prioritize like good sources of food. So I don't sit around eating like fast food. I don't go out to eat every day, that kind of thing. You know, one thing that like we see a lot is in the CrossFit community is people who are like training a crazy amount and then they're not able to fuel for it. So then they get all this dysregulation of like their blood work and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, are you able to tell a difference in your body? Like you able to tell when you need more food and stuff like that when you're training? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I'm, I'm pretty on top of like being able to identify like, okay, well, I think I under ate that day. Um, I need to make sure I do better tomorrow. Um, and that's something I think I've changed in the last few years is I do like drink a carb source pretty much during every workout. Uh, I'm not afraid to drink carbs or eat carbs, I guess, as much as I used to be, um, which is a, you know, another stigma, I think when it comes to females and athletics and stuff, um, would be not eating enough or not eating at the right times. Um, so yeah, I think I've, I've made a huge shift in, in carb timing, uh, the last few years. And I've definitely seen a huge difference in that. That's been game changing, I think for me. And another, another thing that's sort of, I guess, catching one now is, is recovery and sort of, are, do you have any certain like recovery protocols, things that you do after workouts or like certain times during the week? Um, I'm unique when it comes to that, just because I have been living this double life as a student and as an athlete. Uh, so I think if anything, I've had to kind of cut corners when it comes to a lot of that stuff. Uh, but the biggest and most important thing would be sleeping. Um, I don't think I've, I've ever like sacrificed sleep when it comes to, um, like recovery. So it's, it's the thing I prioritize, I guess, uh, at least six hours, like bare minimum. And that's like having a bad day, have to stay up late or get up early to study. Like I, I take sleep very seriously. Um, I'd say on average, I get like seven and a half, eight hours of sleep. Cause that's the biggest thing you're going to do to recover, right. Is sleeping well and sleeping enough. Um, so on top of that, I'd be like the basic pyramid for me would be eating right and sleeping on top of that, 
Um, I do like cold water baths, I think, or, or cold showers. I think that's really important and uh, makes, like, makes me feel better. I notice a difference when I do those sorts of things. Um, sauna is great. A lot of people don't have access to that, um, but that's, I think, a useful tool as well, um, throwing that in when you can. And then things like uh, supplementation, right? That's another thing that can help a lot. Um, but all those, I think, are secondary to eating a good diet and then sleeping enough. Those are the things that I have made my non-negotiables, I guess, when it comes to like time constraints and picking your battles. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'm by no means a high level athlete, but I've really been focused, trying to focus more as I get older on recovery this year, especially uh, having like some injuries I've had trouble coming back from. And it's insane how much of a difference the cold plunge makes. I do it like almost every night now. There's like a sauna house here that has a cold plunge with it. I got mm-hmm. Amy doing the cold plunge um, and attempting, the sauna. Attempting. It's, uh, <laughs> so trying my best. <laughs> trying my best. I get, yeah. I get such a good cognitive benefit from it too. Like it just helps your mood and your wakefulness so much. It's mm-hmm. insane and it's so cheap to do. Yeah, definitely. I think, and if you want to keep chipping away at like, you know, the, the higher hanging fruit, I mean, breath work, breath work has been a new experience for me. And I think it's, it's pretty interesting and useful. I'm still learning a lot about that sort of thing. Um, but I think there's definitely some benefits to be had there as well. Are there certain, are there certain supplements that you always take or certain ones that you like that help? Um, creatine, definitely all the time. Um, I try to take greens and reds. They taste gross to me, so it's hard for me to take them, but I try to take those. Um, Carbs, carb timing, right? That's super important to me. Um, And electrolytes, salts, um, getting enough of that, especially in Tennessee, uh, where you like sweat a lot most of the year. uh, That's been like huge and just making me feel like I'm not going to pass out all the time. Uh, (laughs) It's been a good supplement to have, I think. It sounds really simple, but... um, that one's been big for me. Uh, what else do I take? It's for, oh, B vitamins. I do that too. And fish oil. So it's kind of your basic and vitamin D just kind of your basic, um, health stuff, I guess, not for athleticism, but just for overall health. Do you do any, um, like, do you have a protein goal usually that you go with? I know you said a little bit about tracking macros, but do you really focus on, on getting protein? Um, I do sometimes it's more that I'll like check myself every once in a while to make sure that I'm actually doing what I think I'm doing. Um, and then it's just kind of eyeball from there. So I'll check once a month or twice a month or so and be like, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm about right here, but let's just, let's just kind of eyeball this day and, you know, keep track of it and make sure I'm hitting, I try to do a gram per uh, pound. So that's about where I'd stay at, if not a little bit over that, but never under it. So when you're, when you were training, uh, you know, for the games and all that, do you, so I'm trying to get a sense of like what it's like to be part of that kind of that empire, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you get the call. Okay. I'm, I want to be on this team. And then like, what happens? Are you training like multiple times a day? Are you like told to like what to eat and when and how, like how, <laughs> like how much, like what happens there? Cause it seems it's like a bit of a, a mystery to all of us, you know, a mere mortals who just kind of watch from afar. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, keep in mind, like I said, I wasn't able to be around the like normal atmosphere as much because I was either in class or in clinic. 
So my whole schedule is like completely different than all the other mayhem athletes, I would say. Um, but for, for them, it would be like, get to the, get to the gym or the barn where they're meeting around nine or so, um, do like warm up and prehab and rehab stuff, um, until 10. And then it's usually like working out training from 10 to noon or one, um, which would be like a Metcon, a longer, something longer to start usually, and then strength work for a while. And then either something short or some sort of gymnastics work or something like that afterward, um, break for lunch around one, and then go either do a second session, uh, which is usually just machines or maybe another Metcon, um, depending on the time of the year, right. And depending on, you know, how close we are to events, um, something around three or four, and then you're done for the day. Um, so that was kind of like what your general layout, I guess, of the day at Mayhem would look like. Um, so I would join in on that on Fridays, Saturdays, and then they don't work out on Sundays, but I'd work out on Sunday. Um, so that would be, I guess, my schedule for those days. But then when I was in school, uh, classes for me was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I'd either work out in the morning or work out quick between classes um, and then definitely work out after class. Uh, but scheduling was like so all over the place for me just because my schedule itself changed like every four weeks, every six weeks, whatever the case may be. Um, there was pretty much like any time I wasn't in clinic or wasn't in school, I was working out. Whether that's like outside the clinic in the parking lot or like, you know, there's a track down the road. She's probably doing running intervals, like whatever, whatever crazy stuff I had going on. Um, I made it work definitely. So <laughs> that's crazy that's crazy volume did you notice yeah. a big difference going from iowa I know you mentioned the heat a little bit and i just moved down to chattanooga in july oh, God, and, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah the heat's crazy so was that, that the big difference between that and training in iowa and what were the differences were the two teams a little bit different to train with yeah the heat here is thick it's so hard and it, i mean it is it's to the point that you like have to if you're an outside worker of any kind or like work out even once a day i'd say supplement with salt get yourself some some electrolytes of some kind but yeah the heat here is game changing um even like stuff you wouldn't think about like i'm a really sweaty person um rich is also a really sweaty person so it makes it like more difficult to do things like barbell cycling or gymnastics work like you sweat through your grips and you sweat through your, your, your wrist straps and everything gets wet and slippery. Um, so we would actually, we bought this like powder it wasn't powder. It was like a liquid antiperspirant and we'd put this on, put it on our palms. Um, and usually we just saved it for like competition, but especially the games, but it would help because your hands would actually like stay relatively dry. Um, which is like a performance benefit. Like you literally can't hold on to things when you're as wet as you get down here. It's insane, um, but just like little little things like that and getting used to the heat. You, you do get used to it to a large degree, uh, but you like can't make yourself not sweat, right? It just happens and it's just, it sucks, it's so wet. Uh, but yeah, there were some differences definitely, you know, climate wise between Iowa and here. And most of my teammates on Iowa or in Iowa, they had full-time jobs. So we, we trained, you know, 6 a.m. and 4 or 5 p.m. So it's kind of the schedule I'm used to. Um, coming into this different sort of environment down here because um, I'm used to working around a job. So it's just a little bit different, I guess, because you, it's just working people versus people that are full-time athletes. It's difficult. Yeah, I can imagine it's quite the, quite the shift. And yeah. also, you know, it's a good, 
like a little, you've heard it here first, antiperspirant on your hands, <laughs> the uh, wad, wad hack for all of us. Matt, you can yeah. use that now that you're uh, down south now man. too. It's actually crazy. Like the heat, I couldn't believe it. I'm, you know, when you start working out in it, I'm just getting wrecked by everyone at the gym, which happens to me all the time anyways. But this was like, <laughs> how bad? And we're like running outside, you know? And I was just, I'm really bad at hydrating and I sweat a lot. So it was a mm-hmm. really big struggle in the in the dead of summer. I can't imagine. Um, when you went up to the games then, so obviously I came from Madison to Tennessee um, and uh, I thought the temperature down here was, it was very difficult to train in. Do you find it easier than when you go into an environment like that? Oh yeah. It's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. It's definitely night and day. I feel terrible for the people that are going to have to go to the games in, what is it? Alabama? Birmingham. 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 (laughs) Oh my God. That's going to be awful. Unless you're used to it. And even if you're used to it, it's still going to be so bad. (laughs) And when you guys get to, when you guys got to Madison, were you do you kind of like know you're going to dominate everybody? Like, do you guys, or like, or do you expect it? I mean, do you guys walk in there being like, we're going to, we're going to win and we're going to take everyone down. It's going to be pretty easy. Like I, I get the sense that that was, that's kind of the attitude you get when you walk in there and it just like, you just follow through on it. Um, I think we do expect it just because it is the expectation. Um, and we all no none of us do this not to win. Right. So it's, it's our expectation for sure. Um, but I guess we, you know, you can't necessarily have that attitude, Like you have to take everything seriously and, and consider, consider everyone a threat. You know, um, I think Andrew and I are a little more panicky than, than the guys are just because that's kind of our personality. Uh, especially when we get nervous, we get, we get super panicky and like, but everything always works out. Um, it's just how we kind of express our nerves, I guess. But, um, yeah, the guys are the guys are a little more calm, cool, and collected, I think, than than we are traditionally behind the scenes, anyway. <laughs> what is your like favorite moment from the games? Shoot, I don't know. What is my favorite? Moment? Um, I liked the I liked the overhead squat workout. It was interval style, um, and they made some changes to it because of the weather. I think it was supposed to be rope climbs, and it ended up being like running and overhead squats, which like is way worse. I think it's way harder. I would have rather had the high school or the skilled gymnastic in there. Um, but the overhead squat workout, cause you, it was really close first of all, um, which was really exciting and, and kind of nerve wracking. Um, and it was, it was two people working at once. I was paired with Sam and Rich and Andrea were going. Um, so it was kind of just hard to keep track of where everyone was, I guess. So you kind of didn't know what was going on. Um, out there on the floor but that was probably my favorite workout and you're going to be competing at Wadapalooza correct correct yep yeah so you're uh and you're gonna be on a team right Mm -hmm. with um Andrea and uh Sydney Michelson she's from um comp train nice so and how did that come about you guys just hey this sounds like fun let's do it or yeah pretty much yeah it was pretty much how that went about. Um, we were originally going to go with Daniel Brandon and she ended up having to back out. Um, so then we uh, reached out to Sydney and she was able to come with us. So we were pretty excited for that. Waterpalooza, it's like TYR is the sponsor this year, right? Yep. Yep. They are. Um, and it's, they scheduled it a little bit more dif- like differently. So I think uh, we compete 
Saturday, Sunday, and individuals are Thursday, Friday. So instead of everyone doing like four days, they kind of split it up a little more, which I think that's a good move. That'll be fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's also better for the med staff too. <laughs> better for the med staff when there's not like tons of people running around in all different directions trying to keep track of everybody because it's such a huge event. I mean, there's like yeah. so many divisions and people, and it gets a little crazy. There's always a water event and all that, so it always makes it a little yeah. more complicated on our end to kind of keep track of everybody. But it's always fun to watch you guys throw down. Yeah, you worked it last year, right? I did. I did. Mm-hmm. It was fun, even even though we got rained out for one whole day, and that was yep. And then yep, not I as fun because then it went super late <laughs> after that. But, yep. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a it's always a fun event and like just the, the vibe down there is always really nice. It's like sort of like a mini games kind of thing. Yeah, it is. It's it's just more laid back too, I think, because everyone's there it's just there to have a good time and you know, no one's no one's in super great shape just because it's January, you know, it's the beginning of the season. So it's just kind of a more laid back uh just have fun environment. I think it's cool. So what are your plans between, what are your plans between now and, um, and when you want to start working, you had anything cool planned that you're going to do besides throw it down at some comps? Yeah. Um, to be announced. (laughs) Ooh. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd love to tell you guys, but I'll get in trouble. So (laughs) well, secret, secret stuff going on. Cool. Uh-huh. We'll all be like, uh, you know, we'll we'll be we'll be waiting for for the announcement. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, this was great. Um, appreciate you coming on. I wanted to say so. We have a lot of physicians that listen to the podcast. So if you guys are looking to collaborate with an amazing PA who just graduated, you know who to reach out to. And where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram. You can email me. Um, whatever you, you can text me, you can get a hold of me, however you want. Uh, my Instagram name is T underscore will seven, uh, emails, my name 45 at yahoo.com. Sweet. Sweet. Yep. Thanks so much. Yeah. Nice talking to you guys. Yep.